This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast, where host Amber Cullum and her guests delve into hard truths and the unwavering grace of God while journeying in the kingdom of God here on earth. Listen every week at graceenoughpodcast.com or on your favorite listening app. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. My name is Kimberly Cook, and I'm the Assistant Director at the Hendricks Center here at DTS. And today, we're going to be talking about the Day of the Dead. We're joined by resident expert, <laughs> Ricardo Uriegas, um, who is a THM student here on campus at DTS and does some grading for DTS in an Espanol. And we're just so thrilled to have you here. Thank you. Oh, thank you. This is, this is quite the honor. I think The Table Podcast is you know, what they do is great, engaging with uh, theological topics and culture. And I feel, you know, just uh, very humbled to be here. Oh. So thank you. Well, wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say, I asked three to four different people, and those people represented at least two different departments here on campus, who we should talk to for Day of the Dead. And every single person that I talked to said Ricardo. Oh, wow. <laughs> So oh I am really curious as to why you are considered <laughs> the local expert right. on the Day of the Dead. So how did you come to like know things about this? And why would people be giving me your name? Like every single person. <laughs> okay. I think maybe expert would be a bit of strong, uh, especially since this is a very rich tradition. Hmm. And when we go into defining it, I'll, I'll explain why that's the case. But Perhaps it's the fact that I am from Mexico City, born and raised. And on the one hand, uh, Day of the Dead is really everywhere. I will go into detail as it's more than a festivity. It's it's really part of the thinking. It's really an industry even. So mm. if you're there, if you live there, then you're embedded in it. Mm. So that's why it makes it so important to have these discussions um, about issues that are so part of the culture. And... On the other hand, I was also raised uh, in a Christian community, in church. So I was able to to uh, wrestle with this issue and with the Bible and theology and how to approach it with the congregation and elsewhere. And in connection or conversation with so many other Christians or evangelicals that come to different conclusions. Mm-hmm. So... Perhaps that's why they thought of it. It could also be the fact that, you know, my name sounds very Hispanic and that's it. You know? I don't think it was that. I think maybe so. one person might be. No, but no, not that many. Okay, okay. Okay, wonderful. So um, is that, do they, do they call Mexico City De Efe? Is that right? It used to be De Efe. Oh, well, it, but it's not it's anymore. It's not anymore. <gasps> it officially changed uh, maybe even like five years ago okay. uh, to Ciudad de Mexico. Oh, okay. Because everybody was calling it. Uh, Mexico City, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It's more of a tourist marketing sort of move, I yeah. think. And it, it's also constitutionally changed into a different denomination of sorts and different uh, uh, sort of a, yeah, government and public administration. So now it's Ciudad de Mexico. Really? Or by its acronym, uh, in English would be CDMX or mm-hmm. CDMX. Mm-hmm. So people would all, you know, would say, yes, mm-hmm. DF, 
but mm -hmm. it's no longer it's cold. It's no longer death. that interesting. Well, yeah. that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Day of the Dead. What is it? <laughs> because yeah. I think a lot of people, especially here in the United States, um, we probably are only know it via Coco, mm. the Pixar movie. Sure. <laughs> and and at least for those of us who live down here in the South, there's often, you know, once you hit this time of year, you see like skeletons and that kind of thing, um, decorated skeletons in sure. the stores and for decorations for Day of the Dead, presumably. So that is close to many the like cap of many people's knowledge so can you you said it has a rich history and there is a lot of depth there that i am sure we don't appreciate so can you help us understand what is it what's its importance culturally for it you know where does it come from what's its history yeah enlighten us <laughs> thank you well i will speak about its origins but first um the way i define it and this is mine my definition is Day of the Death is a cultural manifestation of the eschatology of Latin America. Okay. Now, that has several parts to it. Um, first off, it's a cultural manifestation that expresses it in itself in, in festivities, mm -hmm. but it's much more. It's artistic expressions. It's a way uh, tourism works. It's also, as I mentioned, an industry. So. Mm -hmm months prior to the actual festivity that we call Day of the Death, uh, there's already a market and, you know, supply and demand of certain products and, and services. And so it's beyond, beyond only one or actually two days mm -hmm. in the year. Uh, I also said it's a, it's, it's a Latin American thing. So um, I grew up in Mexico City. So for me, it was what Mexico did, but it's really a an umbrella term for manifestations all around Central America, South America, and mm -hmm. North America. So Mexico and now communities in the United States. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's really it's really rich and it changes from place to place, from community to community. So when I speak of Day of the Death, I might be having something very specific in mind that on the one hand will relate to other expressions in the region, but on the other, they will have different uh, ways in which they are commemorating uh, these topics. Can I pause you right there? Sure. So, so I actually thought that it was only in Mexico. So I'm that is really interesting to me that it's a Latin American thing. I didn't realize that it was present in other countries and other communities as well. So what do, what does it look like the different expressions so can you give me or us give us an example of what that absolutely would be so for instance uh, in mexico city you would find the ofrendas which is what what coco i, I think mm -hmm. depicts accurately this um setup and organization around building up a a altar or an offering to to celebrate the festivity and i'll put it that so i won't go ahead of myself just now <laughs> um, but in other countries you would find also parades in which coming from its origins to which i will be there uh, talking in a sec uh, they parade uh, well currently like loaves of bread mm -hmm. that represent the death but that has a history in which 
uh, when that happened, uh, so originally it was really uh, people would uh, petrify their 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 family's corpse mm-hmm. before they would bury them, and they would parade them through the neighborhood, mm-hmm. so they would be able to everybody would be able to express their condolences and perhaps uh, say farewell for one last Grieve time. as a community, exactly. yeah. When the Catholic Church came, and then we're going into history now, mm-hmm. um, they really hindered those expressions. So the way in which the indigenous communities were able to approach this was just baking goods and making uh, cooking uh, food, and they would, in the form of corpses, and they would parade those mm. through the cities. So today you have parades of bread, but it's really a rich history. And I'm talking, this is more South America, perhaps okay. Ecuador, uh, countries like this. Uh, but this is to say uh, different expressions, but the thinking, what lies be- behind is the same. And that's what I was speaking about as cathology. It's a way in which Latin America addresses death, uh, the spiritual realm, the beyond, the end of things. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's their hope system in which they cope with all of this and and they try to understand it and make sense of it and, again, develop hope from it. Okay, so <clears throat> what do you mean by, um, one, just in case anybody's listening who doesn't hear who doesn't know eschatological means end times looking toward the end times the study of the end times so so what is it about the day of the dead that expresses or, or what is it even like the eschatology that you're talking about that undergirds all of this okay so that would uh, allow us to go into its origins mm-hmm. uh, first of I I should say and we could come back to this that we should address the day of the day as it stands today, hmm. not its origins, because it is not its origins. And a, and a close, perhaps, uh, parallel would be Christmas. We celebrate Christmas in a very particular way, here in the West at least, and we associate the festivity of the 25th to the birth uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's probably not when it happened, And but we still do. And we, we create this... You know, aura of of celebration and worship to the Lord around this date, and perhaps its origins were not as Christian as we might think uh, of them. So, Christmas is not its origins. The same way Day of the Dead is also not its origins. So, we'll come back to that because it's important to address it as it stands today, and mm-hmm. how we talk about it biblically, theologically, pastorally should be as how it is today. Now, given that disclosure, uh, (laughs) I think uh, its origins come from both uh, the indigenous communities of Latin America and the Catholic attempt to Christianize the Americas when the Spanish Empire came and conquered and colonized. Um, On the one hand, so the, the indigenous communities, they... It's, it's been established that they had a spiritual expressions in which they would uh, attempt or actually have contractual relationships with spiritual forces. Okay. In, in exchange, you know, uh, ofrendas, offerings, mm-hmm. really, or sacrifices in exchange of fertility, exchange of blessing in general terms, mm-hmm. uh, rain, uh, wealth, what it may be. Um, 
And specifically, the way they thought about that was that it was not the end. It was definitely something that would go uh, beyond in a different reality. So what they would expect of a of the departed is that they would go into a journey. So there's a progression and there's even growth in that in that sense into the beyond. And that journey was hazardous and it had obstacles and that was part of that progression and learning and until they would find some place of rest. Mm. However, that would not be final because the way in which this system develops hope is a, and I think Coco really does a good job depicting this, is by being remembered. Mm-hmm. By being remembered by the family members or the community. Because if you're not remembered, then you never existed. And even in the movie, there's depictions of that. Those who are not remembered are like pariah mm-hmm. of the society, and they're at some point gone. Coco stops there, but the the eschatology of the indigenous communities would say there's even more after that. Mm-hmm. So even though... They're gone. They're still in a process of uh, uh, growth or, you know. Essentially, their soul is not annihilated. Exactly. Yes. Okay. That's a great way to put it. And and at some point, they would be able to interact with the living. So what, what the tradition of Day of the Death would claim is that if you follow certain patterns, these departed would be able to come back and have a conversation with you. Now, that could be they're very benevolent, as Coco is depicting, mm-hmm. or it could be really an o- so that the living would be offering uh, goods to appease those spirits that would be coming back. Mm. So, it could be, so it could be both, right? Okay. So that was a tradition, that was the eschatology. And then comes uh, the Catholic Church around... Uh, uh, so 500 years ago, at the same time that the Reformation was happening in Europe, the Spanish Empire was conquering the Americas. And with them, the Catholic Church tried to adapt, change, modify the culture of the indigenous communities. So you end up with a byproduct of syncretism. Mm-hmm. What Day of the Dead started to be was really this syncretism. And this is why some expressions are not only in Latin America, but in European countries, because you have a strong presence of the Catholic Church there, Spain, France, Mm -hmm. and they have similar expressions to Day of the Dead in Latin America. Um, So uh, with this indigenous uh, thinking about the beyond, plus... uh, the Catholic thinking of the end of times and the hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and and the hope of resurrection, mm-hmm. um, you know, giving giving them the benefit of the doubt, they would come into trying to to take the indigenous thinking and traditions into a more Christian way of looking at uh, death, basically, okay. and mourning, and so it developed. Um, And again, that was 500 years ago. This uh, manifestation has been evolving. And fast forward to the 20th century, Mm -hmm. in which there was a global uh, intent to find your roots and and develop a national pride. And therefore, we had also, you know, the the World War One, specifically Mm -hmm. the World War Two. But this global tendency to find national pride. So there was 
uh, a big search of archaeological discoveries by governments trying to find things from the past that would give tell them what they were. Mm -hmm. Well, Mexico, and this is what I know, I couldn't speak more about the other countries in the region, yeah, right. <laughs> but they did a lot of, of those discoveries and they made a huge push to celebrate their origins. So Day of the Dead was part of that. It was a uh, tangible way in which the Mexican community or population could feel unified, could feel attached, could feel, uh, you know, prideful of their of their ancestry, and and it really became a more uh, consumeristic mm -hmm. market side festivity than what it stand stood before. Um, so really, day of day today is is that byproduct of that syncretism and also this uh, attempt of the 20th century to to discover your national roots. What we have today is more an attempt to that that speaks or allures the markets, allures consumerism and tourism. Mm -hmm. Mexico is very visited in this time of year mm -hmm. and uh, I wouldn't be uh, fearful to say that perhaps it's the same with other countries. Okay. Okay. So, so that when I want to go back for a second to this, the era of the syncret when syncretism was happening, how did, what happened? How did that eschat those two eschatologies, you know, what, what does that look like when they're functionally put together? Or is it just different because everybody, you know, that's kind of how syncretism works. It's kind of messy. But how did that mesh, you know, so is it that, uh, yeah, like just how did that mesh? So like, are, are the believers the only spirits that come back? I'm assuming that's not the case, but you know, like, what does that what does that look like? Yeah. Well, so on the one hand, you have you have the indigenous beliefs in which um, uh, there's an existence of the beyond, but there's it, the the spiritual reality, as I said, is not always endearing, as mm -hmm. cocoa does. That it's you know attractive and colorful, mm -hmm. and it's not really that. It's it's more threatening, uh, which perhaps we could say it's the reality of a spiritual darkness. Mm -hmm. um, and and they had they had that and and again the offerings were given to appease these forces. Mm -hmm. The Catholic Church trying to uh, evangelize and 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 attempt to uh, to share the gospel there brought a more uh, the idea of light. Okay. Yeah, and and also. Uh, I see. I see that that mixture expressing itself in in the idea of the dead is not forever gone. There's a spiritual mm. reality to he, to him or her living beyond, and then uh, if certain uh, things uh, activities are made in their favor, they may be able to move forward. Gotcha. Right, okay. and and you you end up seen the influence of ideas like purgatory mm -hmm, yeah. in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, Day of the Death is actually two days, mm -hmm. right? It's 1st of November and 2nd of November. And the Catholic Church 
established that the first one would be for the children that were that would die, mm-hmm. and then the the second of November would be for grown adults that depart. So that's also an influence of the Catholic Church. These two dates are the ones that are seen celebrated in the European countries that I mentioned, mm-hmm. because that's the Catholic um, influence. Mm-hmm. Now, in all honesty, and this is why we were laughing that I was the expert, quote unquote. <laughs> uh, very little of that remains. Very little of the original idea and even the byproduct uh, of the syncretism remains. What we have today is more the result of this marketing attempt from the 20th century and, and onwards. So. Uh, so is it just like a remembering of? So I mean, we're talking nowadays. What you're what you're saying, it is it just a remembering of those who have gone on? Then, if you're not trying to meet with or appease the spirits or you know those beyond, or if you're not concerned about you know helping those souls of those you've known and are remembering it, is it more just about remembering those who have passed? Yeah, that's a great question because that's really what stands in the current debate. Okay. Right. How should we address this, especially for Christians? Can we celebrate this? Is it more than just a, a day of uh, festivities? And um, Mexico city is a good sample. So, there's a, a good portion of the city that is uh, middle class uh, or or upper class that's also more secular than religious and that would engage in this festivity with no thinking of anything but a party. Mm-hmm. So, so they would look at this as a only cultural heritage that is worth keeping, that it really talks about uh, the history of the country and that it could even be fun, you know, and sometimes an excuse to party mm-hmm. and very benevolent. And then even in... So Me- in that way, a lot like Christmas is in yes, secular exactly. um, United States. Exactly. Yeah, an know, opportunity it, it to gather. A, yeah. There's hope and goodwill and sure. that kind of thing as exactly. an underlying theory, but pretty much it's just a reason to party and get things. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nothing much than that, right? Yeah. Which is why I think Coco did a great job of portraying the other part, which is also in Mexico City mm-hmm. and in other cities, but mostly, I would say, in the rural areas of the country, um, in which there is a belief in that uh, a spiritual reality is at hand in that, around that festivity or, and, and that the spirits of the departed are able to come back. So I grew up in the city, and part of my, my rearing when I was a, uh, a child, remembering as I was, you know, prompted with this issue, I went to a private school in Mexico, but it was in a more detached area of the city. Mm-hmm. So kind of a suburb, but perhaps you think of a suburb here in the U.S., you think wealth. That was not really the case over there. Mm-hmm. So the community in which I grew in was highly, highly uh, protective of this festivity. And they were really, Mm. some of them, I think, were really defending that it was an opportunity to make amends and perhaps meet again with those that had departed. 
So it really depends where you are, and it really depends who you are uh, commemorating these dates with, because they might be thinking there's nothing to it, or they might be thinking this is my opportunity to um, make amends again or meet again, and in that way appease the spirits that are coming back. So uh, it's really case by case. Okay. All right. So let's take those different cases and kind of walk through them biblically, theologically, um, you know, because if those, if it's different in different places, then it helps people who are listening and quite frankly, me to, (laughs) to think through what it is that you're seeing and what it is that people might be talking about or participating in. So let's take the consumeristic version first and the idea that it's kind of just a remembrance and a recognition of, is it a recognition of like Latino heritage? Is that yeah. correct? Okay. I think it's, I mean, and evidently, <laughs> and, and, and again, national, more of a national pride. Okay. Uh, okay. I honestly didn't uh, know that it was such a huge expression across the region until now that I was able to rasp, uh, wrestle with this issue again. Mm-hmm. Um so it's really more of a, I think, a national, uh, uh, a, yeah, an attempt to recover what's the national pride. Okay. So okay. it's more that and, and, and that celebration of, of culture. This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast. I am its host, Amber Cullum. Each week, I sit down with a guest to discuss hard truths and the unwavering grace of God they've experienced while journeying in God's kingdom here on earth. You'll hear from guests like Jen Wilkin, Jamie Ivey, Andy Crouch, and Scott McKnight. Listen to these conversations and more by searching Grace Enough Podcast on your favorite listening app or by visiting graceenoughpodcast.com. Okay, and so what scripture or theology do we want to consider when we're thinking of a believer celebrating Day of the Dead in that sense? Okay, so um, there's there's plenty, actually. Um, let me go back to Coco for a, for a second. I was watching it uh, recently. Uh, I watched it right before this, too. <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't, I, you know, I laughed at the jokes. I really enjoyed the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's fantastic how they depict, you know, that the, the, the departed go through customs mm-hmm. in order to come yeah. back to the living, that sort of thing. <laughs> so, you know, really smart way of depicting that. But I couldn't, I couldn't avoid thinking, you know, it's really, it's really dangerous what they are they're conveying even if it's a game or colorful mm-hmm. or bright this bridge between the spirits that have gone and 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 this you know tangible realm i was not comfortable at that at all they have this bridge in coco mm-hmm. very bright and beautiful and you know that's that's amazing animation i was not i was feeling uncomfortable every time i was looking at it because it represent represents the 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 reality of of spiritual darkness amongst us which is what the bible uh 
teaches often. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at Ephesians and how Paul is portraying uh, or, or painting a, an image of how there's a spiritual reality to our material reality. On the one hand, we are in Christ, those who have believed mm-hmm. in Him, and, and but we're in the heavenlies. On the other, there are uh, spiritual forces that are attempting to attack uh, the believers. And we can go back and they are attempting to attack, you know, they've been attempting to attack the plan of God for, since ever mm-hmm. and attacking Israel and whatnot. And, and God's people all along have been commanded, essentially, n- to have nothing to do with them. Yes. So that's, that's very clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that did not happen when I was watching Soul. The other Pixar movie that has, is addressing with the spiritual, mm-hmm. really. Perhaps because this is not my cognitive environment. It's not speaking to me in ways that are very specific. Mm-hmm. I grew up in this debate. How should Christians uh, address this when its origins, at least, are clearly uh, evil? At odds with the exactly. Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you would find some people arguing before going back to scripture is that even though those origins are back in history, some places in the country still addresses that festivity spiritually mm-hmm. and dwelling into uh, Corinthians, for example, Paul says, idols are nothing, but if you worship them and you engage with them, uh, then spiritual forces take advantage of that mm-hmm. and get involved with you and participate with you. So if uh, the celebration has that element, you're, you're, you're per- perhaps it's not from you. Perhaps you're not doing anything about it. But if who you're commemorating it with is at trying to have that experience, you might be uh, on the sidelines of that. Would that, do you think that there would be some kind of correlation with that um, situation with what you were talking about with regard to idols and like eating the meat offered to idols so that like it may not, it may mean nothing to you, but there may be something for somebody else that's a really big stumbling block. Is that, absolutely? you think? Absolutely. Um, Again, it depends where you are. But Please, people who like write commentaries on yeah, that passage, yeah, exactly. don't, don't look too closely into that. <laughs> uh, so, some of the some of the food that is put at the ofrendas, mm-hmm. the offerings, which in theory is those those foods that the departed enjoyed while they were living, uh, and that's why you find you know a diverse array of 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 woods and foods and drinking and toys for the children and whatnot. Mm. Um, Some people would eat them after they're being offered. Okay, so perhaps I should go back because I'm assuming everybody has watched Coco and perhaps not the case. (laughs) They may not have, yeah. The festivity says uh, that allegedly the the party have gone away and they have an opportunity to come back. Unlike Coco, they don't come through this beautiful bridge. They come through hurdles. And specifically, they cross a river. And they get a dog, which is, I think, what Coco is trying to point at. They get a dog to help them cross. And that's why dogs, A, you know, are, are part of the Mexican culture since forever. B, mm-hmm. are the best friend of humankind. C, allegedly can see the department. Okay. Uh, so if the, if the living... 
place the the necessary elements and not just the pictures like in Coco, mm-hmm. then they will be able to come back. So that that bridge from Coco, that beautiful orange bridge, that's uh, uh, in Mexico it's called Flor de Sempasuchil or Sempasuchil flower, and it has a very distinct smell. After a while, it might be not so pleasant, but it's really it's really rich, uh, uh, and and I like it. That. Uh, smell and the bright color is supposed to light mm. the path of the departed. Mm-hmm. And when they come, they're supposed to nourish by what you've placed on the table. Or you're supposed to appease them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really how you look at it. So um, I mentioned that because. Um, you were saying you were actually taking what I had said about the passage of food offered to idols. Right. I think you were actually saying it. Exactly. It might, it, it might at times actually be very like, yeah, yeah. literally. Exactly. The exactly. That's a fantastic <laughs> example because uh, some people would not eat what has been offered to the dead after those days of festivities, mm-hmm. but some families would, avoiding um, to throw them away. And what they claim is those foods have no flavor after those couple of days. Hmm. So you have a very relatable uh, festivity to what Paul is writing. And you are participating if you're eating from that. Let's, let's pretend you're not participating of the foods of the offering. There's a lot of candy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going around these two days of festivities <laughs> that are in the shape of uh, skulls mm-hmm. or a full skeleton chocolate and sugar and you name it so some would say that's participating Mm -hmm. some would say uh you're not this would this would throw me into into other scripture i think i think a lot of daniel and i think a lot of esther uh growing up in this evangelical community in mexico which by the way it's a minority Mm -hmm. uh, over there the country is around 80% Catholic and 5% uh, Protestant, f- of which evangelicals are even, you yeah, know, not even, even less. conservative evangelical Protestant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So uh, being a minority really makes you look at things differently. Anyway, how the evangelicals have reacted is looking at the example of Daniel saying, Daniel was able to avoid. Uh, participation in the culture that was uh, attacking them or engulfing them, mm-hmm. uh, the Israelites in that case, in the exile, and God blessed him for that. So perhaps this is how we should approach this. We should not participate at all, and and we should just refrain, which is not as easy in a country with 80% mm-hmm. uh, people that are not believers. And with a festivity that really speaks to their national identity. Mm-hmm. Everybody either celebrates or is close to a celebration of Day of the Dead. And in schools growing up, you would be, as a team building exercise, required to build an ofrenda with your classmates and then have a contest to see which one's the prettiest or mm-hmm. which one has the right elements or whatnot. So you really have to participate at some point or another, at least growing up. So Christians have, uh, a good group of evangelicals have decided to refrain and take the heat, so to speak, 
And I know of people who have uh, flunked or failed at school because they wouldn't participate. Mm. And they see this as their Christian response and the suffering that they do for their faith. Mm-hmm. I believe that if you're in a position and context in which it's clearly a practice that is hindering your conscience or that is going against the gospel, that is cl- cl- clearly spiritual, then that could be the right response. Now. I think of Esther. Mm-hmm. Esther, it's a very similar context in terms of the culture that had engulfed the Israelites. And she is not as able as Daniel, who's a male, who's a nobleman, mm-hmm. to be able to refrain. It's privileged. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Daniel has a different uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, power or agency, and Esther mm-hmm. doesn't. So you see her and Mordecai being much more subtle. And at times, even you would expect the same clarity that Daniel had from them, but they don't. They, they act differently. And when God allows them to take a stand in favor of their people, and you could say the gospel or evangelicals, etc., then they do. Mm-hmm. Also in a very subtle way. And God blesses them for them. So I think another another response from evangelicals, and this happens in which you really cannot refrain, in which in which doing so would be actually hindering your opportunity of sharing the true hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then perhaps a more subtle resistance that allows for certain interaction with the festivity would be the way to go. So So what would that subtle interaction look like? I have a very, uh, okay. a very close example. So, uh, uh, as I said, in school, you're, you're encouraged, perhaps forced, to, <laughs> to build an ofrenda mm-hmm. with your classmates. And, you, and it's, it's, it's quite an, an event because you are in competition with the rest of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, one month before the date, you start bringing things to the classroom, you start designing, you, you pick up a, a, like a celebrity uh, that has departed and you, to make the ofrenda to mm. that person. It's not a familial thing, it's more like a cultural thing. So Frida Kahlo or Diego Rivera mm-hmm. or other Mexican celebrities uh, of the past. And you would come with your classmates and the prof- teacher and build that ofrenda. Well, that happened to me every year, right? <laughs> and growing up, uh, my dad really exposed us to be able to be critical. So he would allow us to participate at times, and he would be very careful and to tell us what it could mean and all of that. Well, this particular year, uh, the organizer had uh, uh, just uh, a, a mishap, or she had trouble coming up with, with the event. And it was going to be terrible for, for her personally and perhaps for the school. Others would say that's, that's, that was fantastic. That was probably what should have happened. No festival for anybody. But when my mom saw this, she decided to come alongside of her and help her through the hassle of, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps sleepless nights to be able to help her out. For this other person, this was not a cult to the death. For this person was something she needed to get done. Mm-hmm. And my mom saw this as an opportunity to show the love of the Lord, and she helped her. Unlike my dad, my mom is very, very uh, 
in opposition to Day of the Death. Hmm. So that was a good, I think. It was a big deal for her. It to was do a big that. deal for her. Yeah. And because she's open about it, it was a good deal of love for the other person. Mm-hmm. So because uh, Day of the Dead is an eschatology, it is a way of thinking about the dead. And it's a, it's a hope system. It's how people try to wrestle with, uh, you know, the, the cause of death, the reason of death, the purpose of death. We have a great opportunity to talk about the true hope that God has given us. And, and not just in being with Him after dying, but physical restoration, an actual return, mm-hmm. and a recreation of everything. Uh, if, for the sake of argument, the eschatology of Dia de Muertos would stand, the dead would go and come back to the same realities of sin mm-hmm. in this physical world. But what the gospel offers, in contrast, is an improvement in degree and in kind um, to a physical reality here. So it's and, a fantastic segue to speak about the gospel. And even the... The dead don't have to go through any hurdles. Yes. You know, they don't have to be crossing any river. They don't have to find a dog. (laughs) They don't have to do anything. You know, like it's all been done for them by Christ. And And he remembers them. Mm -hmm. You know, like those that perhaps didn't have a family who Mm -hmm. don't remember them. Therefore, they can't come back. Mm -hmm. Christ, you know, remembers them. They're they're his. So I think it is a good opportunity uh, to share the gospel. If, however you do not engage in it in it at all if you i think if you don't take this as an opportunity to love and to share the gospel and to understand where the culture is Mm -hmm. the culture is trying to to resolve these questions they're trying to to grasp reality of people who have gone and perhaps they not perhaps and they will eventually go Mm -hmm. right so if you're able to discern that then you should speak out. You should do something about it. If you don't, and I'm sure there's many evangelicals that do not, then perhaps that is actually the right, the wrong uh, response, hmm. right? Hmm. I would rather see them refraining because that speaks out of a conviction or engaging subtly, but to be able to speak out of their convictions than not doing it at all. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. It is very rich. Yes, it is. Okay. So we are just about out of time, but just to kind of summarize. So it is the day of the dead in your, your um, explanation of it is that it is really a cultural manifestation of a Latino eschatology, correct? Yes. More or less. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's that's actually what it is. (laughs) And, um, and, you know, there are different scriptural examples, Daniel, Esther, as to how it might be engaged by believers, but the clear line, the, you know, line, uh, that none of the believers want to cross is as far as actually celebrating it in a sense of like offering any kind of appeasements to the spirits and doing it in a way that is attempting to engage at least the historic origins of the spirits, because that seems to be delving into the darker elements of the spiritual world. Is that correct? That's correct. Because even though 
today is not its origins, mm -hmm. there's some of those aspects that remain. Absolutely. And some people, um, you know, there's some places in the country that, that do address it in that way. And we should all never underestimate the spiritual realm. And what's Absolutely. really going on yeah. there. And yes. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, I, you know what, Ricardo? I can see why I was given your name by multiple departments. <laughs> well, they're too kind. That's what happened. <laughs> thank you so much oh, for joining us today. This has been absolutely fascinating. And we want to thank you who are listening and just remind you to join us next time when we discuss issues of God and culture. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth, love well.